This sermon is brought to you by Christ Church South Philadelphia, a church that is committed to living out the gospel in their neighborhood and from there impacting the world. For more information about our church or to support our mission, you can go to www.ChristChurchSouthPhilly.org. If you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Uh, for the benefit of our guests, typically we preach through different series, so typically we'll go through a book of the Bible, kind of verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and uh, we just finished going through the, the Gospel of Luke after what I, I guess was about two years, so uh, we, we just finished Luke, we're, we're between series, um, and uh, grateful Pastor Jeff is on the mend, but it was, I'm grateful to be able to, to jump in and, and steal the, the pulpit this morning. Well, as I was praying for uh, what the Lord would have us look at this morning, a, uh, a passage that is always near and dear to my heart is Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, we'll be in verses 11 through 16. And this is a, a passage that just gives a glorious vision of what life in God's church should look like and a, a glorious vision of, of what God has called us to as his people. The title of this morning's message is Spiritual Growth is a Group Project. This is the word of the Lord. Let's read it together, starting in verse 11. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, which can also be translated pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. May God bless the, the reading and now the, the preaching of His Holy Word. Well, this may not yet be obvious, but, but after over a decade, I have returned to the gym. No encouragement from you guys, thanks. Um, thank you. Actually, it may be obvious if you saw me walking around this week as I was kind of hobbling around. You see, I'm trying not to make the same mistakes I once did when it comes to, to working out. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. Shared in the past how there, there was a, a time a couple decades ago when I was, I was really into to working out. I was hitting the gym probably five, six times a week. I was taking the different supplements. I was taking the creatine. I don't know, do people still take creatine? I know back then they weren't sure if it was going to kill us or not, but we were taking it anyway because it was, it was giving us some good gains. Um, had a very specific workout plan. I was, I was doing chest and shoulders and tries in one day and back and biceps another day. I had, had added a lot of muscle uh, just to be honest, I was probably 18 years old, so as a young guy, I was looking for any chance I could to wear sleeveless t-shirts to show off the guns. Um, but with all my working out, I had one glaring weakness, 
and that is the mistake I'm currently trying not to, to fall back into and uh, why I found it quite painful is that I, I hated leg day with a passion. And, and be, because I hated it, I would just skip it all the time. Go with what I, I felt comfortable with, the, the exercises that, that I felt strong with. And, and what happened for me was because of my continual avoidance of leg day, and my, my friends were always eager to point this out to, to keep me humble, kind of started to look a little bit like a cartoon character. My, uh, I, I was very disproportionate. I had this big upper body and these little skinny chicken legs. I was skipping out on a critical component needed for my growth. Well, the Apostle Paul in our text this morning wants to make sure that we don't commit the, the spiritual equivalent of skipping out on leg day by neglecting a key component of our spiritual growth, of ministering to one another to help each other grow. We need one another to be all that God has called us to be. But, but here's the, the issue I, I think we face if, if we're, we're honest. Intentionally seeking to grow with, with others spiritually can, can often feel a lot like leg day. There's other ways we'd prefer to grow. Doesn't our, our spiritual growth just seem a, a whole lot easier and a, a whole lot less messy if it just involves us and Jesus? You know, we, we, we can do our own Bible study and our own prayer. It's just me and Jesus. We, we got this. And we can wonder, do, do I really need the fellowship part? Do I really need to walk out this Christian life side by side with other Christians? Or is that more kind of just like, like icing on the cake? Well, our, our, in our text this morning, our, our, the Apostle Paul wants to tell us this isn't just icing on the cake. This is something that, that we need. We can't just put this off like I would, okay, next week, you know, which was my, my mantra about leg, leg day, right? You know, let's, let's do this next week. And he wants to show us we need one another. But, but the text doesn't just tell us that we need one another. It also tells us why we need one another and how we walk this out with one another. Here's the, the big idea in our text this morning. We will never grow to be the people God calls us to be without the people God has called us to grow with. I'll say that again. We will never grow to be the people God calls us to be without the people God calls us to grow with. Say it another way, simply, we need one another. Our spiritual growth is a group project. God has called us to a, a lifestyle of personal ministry to one another where we're used in each other's lives to grow in ways we never would if we go it alone. We want to look at three aspects of this personal ministry to one another in our text that, that God calls us to this morning. So first we want to look at what God has called us to. Point number one, the call to personal ministry. Then we want to look at why he has called us to this. Point number two, the vision for personal ministry. And finally, we want to look at the how we, we fulfill this call. Point number three, the means of personal ministry. So let's look first at point number one, the call to personal ministry. In verse 11, we see Paul goes through this, this list of people that he says God has given as a gift to the church. 
He says, read with me, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. You ever play that game where you kind of get a a list or all these pictures and it's, you know, what do all these people have in common? Someone handed you this this list of people and asked, okay, what what do all these people have in common? What would come to mind? You know, perhaps you'd say, well, you know, they're, they're all Christians. Yes, that, that would be right. These are all people that are in some form of, of ministry. And again, you'd, you'd be right. Well, verse 12 in our text says there, there's something else they all have in common. And that is that they were all given a specific task. And that task, Paul says, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. These people that, that you and I would look at as the kind of the quote-unquote ministers, the ones in ministry, are actually meant to equip others for ministry. Well, who, who are they equipping for ministry? It says they equip the, the saints for the, the work of ministry. It's important we understand who Paul's referring to here when he, when he says the, the saints, when he talks about the saints. Maybe when you, you think of a saint, you know, immediately, you know, someone like Mother Teresa comes to mind. The thing is, you, you see, the, the word saint in the Bible, apart from all the traditional meanings, all the, the cultural meanings assigned to it, the word saint as, it, as it's used here simply means anyone who's a Christian. The, the word literally means someone who has been set apart by God. And if you are here and you are a Christian, you are a saint. And because we are saints, one of the things we're told here is that God has set us apart for a particular ministry. You see, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are not the only ones in ministry. In fact, they are no more called to ministry than you are. It's a different form of ministry, perhaps, but there are no spectators in the body of Christ. There's no professional ministry that kind of does the real work of ministry and we all just kind of show up on Sundays to to watch them do it. This is telling us we are all called to ministry. The word ministry here simply means to serve. We have been set apart to serve one another. And Paul tells us what form this serving takes in in verse 12. He, He describes it as the building up the body of Christ. We, we have been set apart by God and He has given us a ministry to serve in a way that we build one another up in our faith. The, the word build here that, that Paul uses is actually a construction term in the original language. This, this is really kind of a call to, to roll up our sleeves and, and get our hands dirty. We're called to, to be involved in helping to build something here. We're, we're builders, which when you think about it, kind of goes without saying but, but this is one of the reasons why it's so important that we need to be together. God has, has called us to build one another up. We need to, to be with each other, right? A, a builder can't build if he's not with the building, right? Building is not one of those jobs that, that they've kind of figured out how to do uh, automated or you, you can't really build remotely. You know, from, from my, my time before I was a pastor, I worked in the, the construction industry, and I'd hear from all these people the horror stories of the, the absentee builder, right? The guy who gets hired for a project tells them that he's going to build this project in two months maybe, and 
two years later and, and he's still working on the project, right? It's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. But at, when, if you ask these people, well, well what's the, the reason why this project has, has taken so long? I'm sure nine times out of ten, they would tell you, well, the guy's just not showing up. He's just not showing up on site to, to build. They weren't with the building doing what they were called to do. And, and I'm sure there could be a host of different reasons for, for the absence. I'm, I'm sure most of these builders weren't maliciously trying not to, to do the, the work they, they've been hired to do. But, but they had o- other priorities, right? Maybe they were overbooked. Maybe they had stuff to do with their, their family. It could be a, a host of different reasons. But as sympathetic as you'd be, the builder's telling you all the reasons why they can't show up to build. Ultimately, you're like, well, you got hired to, to build. you got a task to do. A builder needs to be with the building, doing the work of buildings. Friends, we need to be with each other. If God has called us to build each other up. We need to be with each other. Which means, like the builder, may mean reworking our schedules. may mean saying no to certain things, prioritizing this, or cutting back on, on certain activities. Obviously, COVID has certainly complicated things. You know, we might have to get creative, but, but friends, we need to be with each other. Because just, just take a moment to, to think about how important this calling must be, how important this ministry must be. Christ has sent us all these people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, to equip us for this ministry. Man, that, that's a lot of people. This must be an important ministry. Think of how in sports, the, the more important the team, the, the higher the stakes are, the, the more coaches there are. Right? Right, right now, the Eagles have 24 coaches on their staff. When I was playing football, I had two. Right, Friends, this, this is important. God wants to equip us for this call. This ministry, this, this building one another up that he's called us to, is for the very ones that Christ died for. This ministry of building one, the, one another up is for God's very own children. And because of that, he wants us to be effective in this ministry. Couldn't be more important. And not only does he give us all these people to, to equip us with, he also wants to make sure we're equipped with what we need to actually do the job at hand. You see, if you, you notice, one, one of the other things that all these people have in common is that they are all ministers of God's word in, in different ways. God equips us with his word for, for ministry to one another. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 talks about how God's word equips us says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, listen, equipped for every good work. Friends, God's word equips us for the good work of building one another up that we've been called to do. So what does this look like? What, what does this equipping how, how does this happen? Well, this happens in, in many different forms. This equipping happens as we sit under the preaching of God's Word week in and week out through the equipping ministry of pastors. 
This equipping happens as we gather around God's Word in our men's and women's Bible studies and in our small groups with one another. This equipping happens as someone who's gifted prophetically shares something that that helps us see how God's Word applies in a specific circumstance or specific situation. As we receive of the ministry of the Word, when we're then equipped to go and serve one another up and build one another up with the Word that we've been built up with. I love how author Paul Tripp gets at the heart of of what we're seeing in our, our passage here. He says the following. So the problem is that most of us think that God is carrying around a very small toolbox. A successful carpenter uses many tools, each one designed for a particular job. God has a huge toolbox, and His principal tools are His children. Sadly, many people in the church do not see themselves this way. They think of ministry as something for the paid professional. When they think of their own involvement, they don't think very far beyond saying a prayer or making a meal. Yet their adoption into the family of God was also a call to ministry, a call to be part of the good work of the kingdom. The overall biblical model is this. God transforms people's lives as people bring His Word to others. Friends, God has called all of us to this ministry and He transforms our lives with His Word and then He calls us to to bring His Word to one another, to build one another up, and friends, God plans for, for what, His plan for what He's building in our lives is, is just absolutely incredible. And we want to look at that in point number two. Point number two is the vision for personal ministry. Vision can be so important, can it? Just an example of this. Ahead of His 1914 attempted expedition to Antarctica, the British explorer Sir Ernest Shackleton took out this following advertisement in London newspapers ahead of his departure. This is what it said. Men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, safe return, doubtful. Honor and recognition in case of success. Ernest Shackleton. Shackleton later said that after running that ad, it seemed like every person or every man in Great Britain was determined to accompany him on his voyage. You see, friends, despite the challenges, Ernest Shackleton had had cast a vision that had captivated those who wanted to join him. So much so that they were willing to endure the challenges that lay ahead. This vision helped them to see that all the challenges would be worth it in the long run because they had their eyes fixed on something greater. This is what Paul is doing here in our text. He wants us to see what the beauty of what God has called us to join him in building together. Why why this ministry that he has called us to is worth the messiness of involving others in life. While while it's worth the hassle and the inconvenience at times. Why why we shouldn't just go with the, the me and Jesus approach. And Paul places this this vision before us, like a, a builder holding up this, this set of architect drawings that are, are just beautiful. And, and, and you just realize, man, this, this is magnificent. 
It's worth investing our lives to, to join him in building what he's calling us to, to build here. This, this is going to be our life's work, but, but it's going to, to be worth it for what is being built. And he, he shows us in, in verse 13, he tells us what it is. He says, look with me, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, the building up the Lord is doing here. He is building us up in our faith to come to a place where we know Christ in all His glory and we stand completely spiritually mature together. This, this is what we're, we're aiming for. When we completely reflect the character of Christ. It says to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, Christ is the measuring stick. As you grow in spiritual maturity, Jesus is the definition of spiritual maturity that we're after. He is the perfect prototype of what the Lord is building us. He's the, the blueprint. Isn't that amazing? Just, just stop and think about that for a moment. Think about myself. I, I was this, this rebellious angry, selfish kid from central Jersey when the, the Lord set me apart and, and drew me to himself. And, and this is what he has for me? He doesn't just save me and forgive me. This, this is his plan. He's transforming me. I get to, to know Jesus more and more. And he's going to use me to, to help others to become more and more like Jesus. That's amazing. You don't deserve this. Friends, this is the storyline of Scripture. This is what God is doing. Be amazed. This is why God created us in the first place. God created us to reflect the image of Christ. We see this from the very first pages of Scripture. Genesis 1.26, it says, When man was created, God said, Let us make man in our image. What does that image look like? Paul in Colossians 1.15 tells us what that image looks like. He says, speaking of Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the image of God. We were created to reflect. This is why we were made. We were given this purpose, but then as you know, we, we fell into sin. That, that image in us was marred. As we were called to reflect that image, kind of like a mirror it's like the mirror has been thrown on the ground and shattered. We no longer reflect that image to the extent that we were created to reflect that image. Thank God he wasn't done with us. He didn't leave us there, though, though he could have. He sends his son to, to rescue us. And when we put our trust in him and we are reconciled to God, God starts the work of repairing that image it's like someone finding a, a precious, priceless painting that, that has fallen on hard times. You can't even make out the image and little by little goes to work to restore that image to its original glory. Little by little, again, he makes us to reflect the image of Christ. Romans 8.29, we're, we're told that this is actually the purpose of our salvation. It says, for those whom he foreknew... He also predestined, and listen why he did it, it says, to be conformed to the image of his son. This has been God's plan 
all along. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Little by little, God is transforming us back into the image of Jesus from one degree to the next. And, and this, friends, is what God has invited us to and, and called us to join Him in. To minister to one another as He makes us more and more like Jesus. As He restores in us our very purpose for existence. Could, could there be a greater work that He has called us to join Him in? We get to join Him in doing this. And friends, if, if this sounds just kind of like pie-in-the-sky theory... You know, I understand math, this is theology, but kind of where does the, the rubber meet the road? Friends, this, this makes a difference in our everyday life, and, and Paul points this out to us. Look with me in verse 14. He says, this is the effect of this maturing process. This is the effect of being conformed to the image of Christ. He says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. God is changing us. We no longer have to be who we once were. What hope this gives us for, for those of us that are slow to change, like me. What hope this gives us for those of us who have friends that are slow to change, like me, right? We, this gives us such hope that God is changing us. He says life storms will no longer have the same effect on us. So we are shaped more and more into the image of Christ. There's a stability that takes place in our lives. When the waves of life come crashing down on us, it says no longer do they have to rock us to the core. No longer do they have to toss us to and fro. We can face life's challenges now with confidence and peace. It says as we mature, we will no longer be carried about by every wind of doctrine. As we are conformed to the image of Christ and our, our hearts are satisfied more and more with Christ and knowing Jesus, no longer does that, that newest thing have the same allure. No longer we are enticed as much for that, that new source of joy. Our, our souls are satisfied. We found the wellspring of joy in Christ. The latest doctrinal fad is no longer enticing. Friends, God is changing us be more and more like Jesus, and he's using us in that work with one another. It's incredible. Let's look at our final point. We've seen our call to minister to one another and the, the vision for that call. Now let's look at how God calls us to, to live this out. Point number three, the means of personal ministry. Look with me at, at verse 15. It says, rather, meaning you know, contrasted with, with who you once were, this is now what is to characterize your life. And what is to characterize your life is speaking the truth in love. No longer are we tossed to and fro. Now we are those that speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. The way we minister to one another, the shape our ministry takes is we, we speak the truth in love to each other. Now this idea of, of speaking the truth in love, I, I think there, 
there can be some confusion on what exactly Paul is, is talking about here. Some have viewed this as kind of just a call to, to be honest with, with others, kind of, you know, which we want to do, but that's more like speaking truthfully. This says, speak the truth. Speaking the truth in love doesn't mean that this is, you know, you know something you, you kind of can say some really hard things, but, you know, you just kind of throw, you know, hey, brother, you know, I don't know how to say this, but I'm just going to speak the truth in love, and then you kind of go off on them. You know, some, like it's some kind of magical statement that if you throw that statement out, I'm going to speak the truth in love, you can say whatever you want after that because it's been, been covered. It's not what Paul is getting at here. So what does it mean? Well, well first, let's, let's consider what it means to speak the truth. When Paul is talking about speaking the truth here, he's talking about speaking in such a way that, that our words are shaped by the truth of God's words. There are words that are informed by God's word. There are words that are aligned with God's word. They embody the, the truth and the, the heart of Scripture. This is why it's, it's so important, again, to be continually equipped with God's word. We, we never outgrow our need to be equipped. You know, it, in that list, one of the, the roles is pastors that do equipping. God has called me as a pastor to do equipping. I never outgrow my need to continually be equipped. By God's word. This is why we ourselves need to constantly be in God's word if we're going to bring it to others. Charles Spurgeon, the uh, late Baptist preacher from the 19th century, once described John Bunyan, the, the author of the classic work Pilgrim's Progress, as someone who if you pricked him, he would bleed the Bible. He said he could not speak without the essence of scripture coming out. And, and friends, we're, we're called to be those kind of people, to be so saturated in God's Word that this is what comes out. Around here, we talk about bleeding green, if you've heard that expression, show our love for the eagles, right? We bleed green. Even more so, we need to be those that, that bleed Bible. Let this book be what shapes our words. Well, it says not only are we called to speak the truth to each other, I'm sure we, we've all experienced a true word spoken in a wrong way, right? A true word with, that was spoken out of impatience or frustration. A true word that, that was meant to, to hurt or to, to sting a bit. And Paul says here, not only must we bring the truth to, to one another, he says the, the truth must be in love. Our, our words for one another must come from a heart of love for each other. This gets at not just the content of our, our words, but the, the motive behind our words. Are they spoken to, to build up? This is a call to consider the, the person we're speaking to. Loving someone means wanting the, the best for them, and therefore it means thinking, what is the best way to say what needs to be said in order to build this person up? Paul, a little further on in our, our chapter, in Ephesians chapter 4, and, and verse 29 just gives us excellent guidance in this regard. This is one of those verses that, that, that should just always be on our hearts. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. So there's that idea of building up. As fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear Speaking the truth in love is, is thinking through, is this a fitting occasion 
for what I'm going to say. Is the timing best or is there, or is there a better time to have this, this conversation or bring these concerns? Speaking the truth in love, to love others is to treat others as we would want to be treated, to engage others as, as we would want to be engaged. That's why questions are, are so important to understand someone before we speak. Truly listen to someone and seek to understand someone. That's an act of love. You ever walk away from a conversation and it's not even just what they said to you, but you're just encouraged because you just felt like you were understood, right? That's an act of love. and You feel heard. Sometimes what may serve someone best is, is not to try to answer their, their problems, but to embody the, the truth and love by simply being present with them to, to talk through what's discouraging or, or what they're going through. Friends, don't hear what I'm not saying. There are, are times when love does call for hard conversations. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes we need to be wounded by a faithful friend. I'm so thankful for faithful friends in my life that don't just tell me what I want to hear. The other, way, the other day, I went back to Pastor Jeff, who, after he had asked me, we were talking about some, some difficult things, and he had asked me some hard questions, and I just went back and said, hey, man, I appreciate you asking me these hard questions. This was an act of speaking the truth in love. Friends, speaking the truth in love can take many different forms. I recently read about a, a beautiful example of a relationship where this, this personal ministry to one another was, was lived out. Uh, what, one of the, the men that has inspired me most through their writings to live out this ministry in my own life is an author by the name of David Pallison. Uh, David went home to be with the Lord uh, two years ago, but he's just written some wonderful books that, that equip us how to speak the, the truth in love. So I was eager to read when I came across this tribute by one of his very close friends, and it, it just talked about his, his friendship with David. I kind of wanted that behind-the-scenes look. You know, what, what does this look like in real life? And I want to highlight just a, a few parts of, of what he, he wrote about their friendship. I don't have this up on screen, so if you, you just uh, listen with me. But he, he reflects on how, and this was written by a man named Paul Miller. Um, some of you may have read, he's written an excellent book on prayer. Uh, he, he reflects on how in the early 90s, he said, he realized that he didn't have any deep male friendships. He said he had a lot of companions, but no real deep male friendships. And he said he was poorer for it. He's kind of taking the, the him and Jesus only approach. And seeing different Christian men flounder as they started to get older because they hadn't cultivated strong friendships who could speak honestly into their lives. He saw his need for this and he said, he prayed and then he quietly pursued a friendship with David. And this is how he describes some of their times together. He said, almost every meal we talk about some portion of the word. Nothing organized, just what are you reading? We especially love the Psalms, but we bounce all over the place. He goes on, we bonded over caring for one another in suffering. I don't know what I would have done without David's help through some dark times. In time, that became mutual. After open heart surgery, David called me from his hospital bed overcome by depression. I could immediately hear it in his voice. I knew my words couldn't touch him. So over the phone, 
I read through all the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 120 through Psalm 134. His spirits lifted as I read. There's that ministry to one another. We frequently shared our hearts and weaknesses with one another. It is sheer delight to open up your deepest heartaches and be setting sins to a good friend and have them love you as you are, counsel you, and pray for you. About 10 years ago, we started praying together, sometimes over the phone, sometimes in the car after lunch. Not complicated or long, just the things on our hearts that we talk about. You see, friends, this, this isn't complicated. It's talking about what you're reading together. It's caring for one another in suffering. It's confessing your heartaches and your sins to one another and, and counseling and praying for each other. And friends, when we are captured by this vision, ministry no longer takes place in just the, the four walls of the church. It takes on all kinds of form, it forms and in all kinds of places. Mystery now takes place over a, a shared meal or a cup of coffee. As you tell your friends, what, you know, as you share what's going on in your lives. The, hey, do you have a few minutes to talk phone call? Or your friend calls and asks for some kind of advice or counsel becomes a time of ministry. Our time at small group where we open up about what's going in our lives and we gather around God's word and talk about God's word becomes a time of ministry. The conversation, checking in with someone on Sunday morning, hey, how's things going, becomes a time of ministry. Ministry happens everywhere. All of life becomes a context for ministry. Friends, all of us have been called to this ministry. Let's look one last time with me at verse 15 and 16 as, as we prepare to close. It says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from, the whom, from the, whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Friends, when each part is working properly, when we all embrace this, this call to ministry, it says that Christ makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Friends, that's why we need one another. We will never grow to be the people God calls us to be without the people God has called us to grow with. Amen? Let's pray.